and we've looked at the virtue of honor, purity, and loyalty. And if you didn't uh, hear any of those, uh, you can listen to them on our website, uh, rockbrook.org, or you can pick up a CD in the back. And maybe you need to hear them, maybe you need to hear them again, maybe you know somebody who needs to hear them. But it's been a good series, and today we're going to talk about the forgotten virtue of integrity. I've had this happen to me many times over my life, maybe you've had it happen to you. Uh, you know, you're going through the checkout line at the store, maybe the grocery store or Quick Trip or something, and the clerk gives you too much money back when they give you the change. And I don't mean like you know, they give you an extra nickel or quarter or whatever. I mean, they, I mean, a significant amount. Maybe they give you a 10 instead of a 1 or whatever. And I've had it happen to where I got outside before I realized what they'd done because, you know, everybody's doing everything so quickly and, and realize, oh, they gave me too much. And then you go back and give it back to them. And they're shocked. They're surprised. I mean, it says something about our culture when people are more shocked when you're a person of integrity than when you just take the money and run. You, you see stories of a lack of integrity on the news all the time. I mean, it may be the athlete that everybody loved and respected, and not only as a great athlete, but just as a great person, and then you realize there's this whole thing going on behind the scenes. There's an integrity gap. Or it could be the politician that said one thing and then did another, or the Christian leader or the pastor evangelist that said one thing and then had a whole double life going on. And maybe it's not just with leaders. Maybe it's with a close friend, someone you thought you knew, someone you loved. And they represented one thing, but they lived out something else. There was an integrity gap. Uh, What is integrity? On your notes, write this down. Integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. Integrity is when what you say lines up with what you do. When your private life matches your public life. Integrity is what you do when no one's looking. You're the same person in every setting. Now, integrity is different than reputation. Uh, Your reputation is what people think you are. Integrity is who you really are. It's when your behavior lines up with your beliefs. Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And wouldn't you agree, you just see whole segments of our society being destroyed by the duplicity of leaders. Leaders who say one thing and then do something else. They have an integrity gap. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, you can read a story about a man who lived with integrity. Uh, Samuel had been a leader of the nation of Israel for years and years. And at the end of his life, he stood before the community and he said, Have I lived a life of integrity? If I have wronged any of you in any way, tell me what it is and I will make it right. And the community just says, No, (laughs) you haven't. You've lived a faithful life before God. You are a man of integrity. I mean, what a testimony. What a legacy to leave. The Bible paints a picture of integrity for us in Psalm 15. David asked God an integrity question. David asked, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? And what he's asking is, is God, who can be continually in your presence? Who can uh, walk with you? Who can fellowship with you, God? And watch how God answers the question in verse 2. He says, he whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, 
who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. A person who lives a life of integrity will never be shaken. Four benefits of a life of integrity. On your notes here, first one. One, you can walk closely with God. David said, who can dwell in your sanctuary, O God? And, and, and what he's wanting to know is, 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 how do I get close to you? And God said, it's the person who has integrity. When you live with integrity, you can enjoy an ongoing, continuous communion, a fellowship with a holy God. But if you lack integrity, it breaks your fellowship. It breaks your connection with God. You know, think of it this way, re- regarding a parent and, and, and kids. You know, if I impart to my kids my values and they live according to my family values, does that increase the opportunity that we have for deep fellowship? Yeah, it does. And it's a whole lot different than if I say, this is, this is our value set, this is who we are as a family, and then one of the kids says, no, I don't want to do that. Those aren't my values. I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to go do my own thing. You know, I still love them, but it's going to block our intimacy. It's going to block our connection, our fellowship. The same thing's true with God. When you live according to God's values, you can walk with Him, you can abide in Him, you can dwell in Him, enjoy His presence daily, moment by moment. Now, if you reject God's values, does God love you any less? And the answer to that is no. No. God, God loves you deeply. He's, he loves you deeply when, when you're sinning. God loves you deeply when you're at odds with him, when you're far from him, when you're his enemy. God loves you. A lack of integrity does not impact God's love for you. God loves everybody. But the issue of integrity is not about God loving you. The issue of integrity is the relationship that you can have with God. And a lack of integrity impedes that relationship. It breaks, disrupts the fellowship that you can have with God. And that's why one of the first benefits of being a person of integrity is you can walk closely with God. Second benefit is you'll have a built-in guide. The Bible says that the integrity of the upright guides him. And you're a person of integrity. You're not going to have to spend a lot of time wondering, should I do this or not? You know, you got something that, that comes up and it's a little bit shaky, maybe a little bit shady. Oh, should I do this or not? Should I do this or not? Oh, heads or tails? Uh, two out of three. No. You don't have to do that. You don't have to wonder on stuff like that. You just look at it. It's black and white. If it's right, you do it. If it's wrong, you don't because you're a person of integrity and your integrity guides you to do the right thing. You don't have to stand in the quick trip parking lot going, do I give the money back or not? Do I give the money back or not? Because your integrity guides you to do the right thing. Third benefit of integrity is you'll have constant peace in your heart. If I'm a person of integrity, when I lay my head on the pillow at night, I don't have to worry, what if someone finds out what I'm doing? I don't have to worry, what if my boss finds out I could lose my job? What if I'm exposed for this thing that I'm doing? What if my husband finds out I'm flirting with this guy at work? What if my wife sees the stuff I'm looking at? What if I get discovered? What if I get found out? No, there's just peace. I don't know anybody who lays in bed at night worrying, oh man, I hope nobody finds out I did the right thing. They find out I did the right thing again, I'm going to be toast. No, a benefit of integrity is you can just live with a constant 
peace because you know you're doing the right thing. Fourth benefit of integrity is you gain trust, respect, honor, and influence. When you live a life of integrity, you'll gain trust, respect, honor, and influence. You know, if you want great children, be a parent of integrity. If you want to be an influence in the business community, be a person of your word. Because when you have integrity, people will follow you. They will honor you. They will listen to you. They will seek your wisdom and advice because you're a person of integrity. But the challenge is so many people are not people of integrity. Uh, What would you say is the opposite of integrity? Let me help you out here. It's what non-Christians say about Christians. Oh, those Christians, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, yeah. You know, the opposite of integrity is a hypocrite. And, and the word hypocrite comes from the Greek, it actually comes from the Greek theater. And it, and it literally means someone who wears two masks. In, in those days, one actor would play a lot of roles. They just hold up these masks on a stick and speak different words. So they were a hypocrite. They had more than one face. They acted more than one way. And so to be a hypocrite is to pretend to be someone that you're not, to act one way with one group of people and to act another way with another group of people. You act one way at church, one way at work, one way at home. You're not consistent in how you behave. And the truth is hypocrisy hits all of us at different points in our lives. All of us at some point or another lack integrity. Christians and non-Christians. Listen, Christians haven't cornered the market on uh, hypocrisy. And all of us in certain situations, we will mask or hide or justify our behavior. We say one thing and we do another. We create an integrity gap in our lives. And God hates it when we do that. In fact, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll see he was far harder on hypocrites than he was on prostitutes and adulterers and people who are involved in vile sin. Uh, Look, Matthew 23, 25. Jesus looked at the hypocrites and he said, Woe to you. And whenever Jesus said, Woe to you, he is saying, You are in so much trouble. You have no idea what a bad idea this was. And so he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. He just says you lack integrity. You look religious, you look righteous, but on the inside you're not. Your heart is filthy with sin. He calls them blind Pharisee because it's, it's real hard. We can be blind to our own hypocrisy. We just can't see it. He says, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Because integrity doesn't start from the outside and go in. It starts from the inside and works its way out. Be pure on the inside. You don't just appear to be righteous. Don't just appear to be religious and be full of hypocrisy and wickedness on the inside. He said, woe to you who lack integrity. But it's just so easy to do. It's just so easy to put on that mask. It's so easy to say one thing and then do something else. So I want you to think about it. I want you to write down your own response on this one. There won't be an answer or fill in on the screen. You have to fill this one in yourself. You know, how would your actions answer this question? And the question is, what is your integrity worth? What is your integrity worth to you? 
And don't just say, oh, a lot, or it's very important to me. No, what do your actions say that your integrity is worth? You know, it's tax season. Let's say you lie on your tax return to get a bigger refund or to pay less taxes. Well, what's your integrity worth? Well, it's worth that amount. <laughs> You've just traded your integrity for that amount of money. That's what your integrity's worth. Or maybe you embezzled something from work, uh, something small, maybe a ream of paper that you brought home to use on your home computer. Well, what's your integrity worth? Well, your integrity is worth a ream of paper because that's what you just traded for it. Maybe you falsified an expense report. You listed something personal as a business expense so you could get reimbursed for it. Well, that's, that's what your integrity is worth, that amount. Maybe you're married and, and finances are tight and you buy an outfit and so you hide it for a while. One lady said, when I buy an outfit, I hang it in the closet for two months and then when I put it on and my husband says, hey, is that a new outfit? I say, ah, I've had it for months. Some of you are thinking, what a great idea. No, it's not a great idea. It's an integrity gap, okay? You know, maybe you're in business and occasionally you overbill just a little bit or maybe with your friends you exaggerate a story to be liked more. What's your integrity worth? Not just what do you say it's worth, but what do your actions say it's worth? Because your actions speak louder than your words. They speak louder than your intentions. This guy in the Old Testament named Job, if you ask Job what's your integrity worth, he would have said, my integrity is worth more than my life itself. You know, Job's story is one day uh, Satan was talking to God, and he was criticizing God's people. He said, you know, Lord, they don't really love you. They're just faithful to you because you give them stuff. And God said, no, there are some who really love me. Satan said, well, who? Uh, name one. And God said, well, consider my servant Job. And Satan said, well, give me a shot at him, and we'll see if he really loves you. We'll see if he's a man of integrity. And for some mysterious reason, God said, okay, take your best shot. And so Satan goes after Job, and he strips him of, of, of all the things, the, the things that really matter. You know, he killed his sheep, he killed his cattle, killed his camels, killed his servants, he killed his kids. He had kids who were grown and, and, and adults and married and had kids of their own, had houses of their own. They'd all gathered at one of the brothers' house for a family get-together, family reunion, and Satan blew the house down and killed everybody. And then Satan has Job's wife turn against him, and she says, why, why are you hanging on to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? And she actually said that to him. Then his friends come around and they say, you know, quit claiming to be a man of integrity. I mean, there's got to be some sin in your life or these horrible things wouldn't have happened to you. Why don't you just fess up to whatever horrible thing you did and, uh, and just own up to it. Quit claiming to be a person of integrity. And Job says in, in Job 27.5, he says, no matter what you say, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. Job said, my integrity is worth everything to me. It's worth everything to me. You, can't take, you can take everything else away, but you can't take away from me my right to choose to honor God with how I live my life. That's how important it was to him. So what's your integrity worth? Because when you have integrity, that's all that matters. And when you don't have integrity, that's all that matters. So what do you do when you realize that, that you've got an integrity gap? What's the solution? Well, the first thing you need to do is you just get to know Jesus. 
I mean, just truly get to know him, not, not from a distance, not just theologically, not just intellectually. You just need to move in close to Jesus Christ. Just get to know him. Read his word, pray to him, talk to him. You know, the Bible says, it says abide in him, dwell in him. Just let him start to live through you and let his righteousness become your righteousness. And, and he will move you into being a person of integrity. Second thing you need to do is you need to apologize and make amends. You just need to take the mask off and be honest with the people to whom you've misrepresented yourself. Just say, you know, I've made a mistake. I, I've, I've not been honest with you. I've, I've lived a life of hypocrisy. I haven't been a person of integrity, and I just need to clear this up. Please forgive me. And then you just start rebuilding trust with that person from that moment on. You know, that is not easy to do. But it is essential. It's essential. When I was in high school and college, uh, my grades were very important to me. Uh, it was just part of my dysfunction that I was driven to achieve. I was driven to find acceptance and attention through my grades. Academics was where I found my self-worth. And this drive came to a head my senior year of college. Uh, by this time, I was married, I had a kid, I was going to school full-time, I was working full-time, I was taking 21 hours, uh, I was just overloaded. And in one of my classes, the professor had given us a reading list of books to read in addition to the textbooks. Uh, he'd assigned a different uh, grade level to different levels of reading. If you read this many books, he'd give you a C for the assignment, this many books, he'd give you a B, this many books, he'd give you an A for the assignment. And then this was in addition to all the class notes, all the uh, tests, the quizzes, the finals, the papers. You know, this was an over and above assignment. And I was just really driven. I wanted that A. And so I was reading. I mean, I was reading whenever I had a spare moment. I was reading on my breaks at work. I was reading in the car because I, I wanted that A for that part of the course. But as the semester rolled on, I, I just started falling behind. I, I was just too busy. But I wanted that A. And so it came to the final, the end of the semester, and uh, I had to turn in my reading list. Took the final, turned in your final, and turned in the reading list. And, and there was one book on that list that I hadn't read. I'd bought the book, but I hadn't read it. I hadn't even cracked it open. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to get that A because I didn't read that last book, and I wanted that A on that assignment. And so I checked that I had read that book. I lied. And I turned, I turned it in. And the semester ended, and I went on Christmas break, and all through Christmas break, I was just haunted by that lie. I, I got my grades in the mail. I had all A's. I got an A for that course. But I tell you, it was hollow. They were all just hollow. And over the next few weeks, my conscience would not let that lie go. And I tried to rationalize it. I'm busy, I'm married, I'm working full-time, uh, I got a high enough score on the tests and papers to get an A in the course, I didn't even need to do that extra assignment, uh, the lie doesn't matter. And I never told anybody about it, because if I didn't tell it to anybody, it seemed less real. It seemed like it didn't matter. So it was just something I was just holding in myself. And the spring semester came around and I had another course with that same professor. And I'd sit in his class three days a week taking notes and just this knot in my spirit about that. And weeks went on and I couldn't sleep. I was distracted at work. I was being uh, short with my family. And I fell into a state of depression. I mean, a serious, just de 
oppressive cloud came over my life. It became a serious issue. And by March, I, I, was, I was such a mess that in desperation, Katie said to me, I don't know what is wrong with you, but you've got to get it fixed. And so I made up my mind, I've got to go tell this guy. I've got to go do this. And so I went to school, and for about 20 minutes, I paced outside this professor's office, trying to get up the courage to go in and tell him that I'd lied on that reading list assignment. And I was worried that, that I, he would reject me. I was worried that I'd be shamed, that, that I'd be held up for ridicule to other students. I was worried I'd be expelled for cheating. I mean, it could have been the end of my academic career. But I got to the point where whatever the punishment I might receive was, it had to be better than the guilt that I was living with. The pain of the guilt got to the point where I no longer feared the consequences. And so I, I walked in the professor's office and sat down in front of his desk and I said, you know, last semester on that reading assignment, uh, I told you that I read one of the books, told him which one, and I said, I, I didn't read it, I lied to you. Now, I'm not going to tell you the outcome because the outcome doesn't matter. Outcome, my outcome may not be your outcome. You know, the point is integrity matters regardless of the outcome. It's not the end justifies the means. It's not I'm a person of integrity when I get a positive outcome. I'm a person of integrity regardless of what the outcome is because integrity is the point. Now, I will tell you, I walked out of that, that professor's office a brand new man. I mean, the minute I said to him, I lied to you on that reading report, the, the, the weight of depression, the cloud of depression just lifted off of me. And I walked out of there, that office, just filled with joy and relief. And I wasn't depressed. I, I slept better. I worked better. My family could tolerate me. The sun was brighter. The grass was greener. I mean, it was just amazing what happened. Now, lying on an assignment may not seem like a big deal to you, but it doesn't take a big deal to destroy your integrity. It doesn't. The size of the sin isn't the issue. The issue is your integrity needs to be intact. Your integrity is either whole or it isn't. It doesn't matter the size of the gap. Your connection with God is either whole or it isn't. It doesn't matter the size of the gap. Even the tiniest sin can separate us from God. You know, if you break an electric connection, you lose power. And it doesn't matter if the gap is tiny or the gap is huge. You know, the, the extension cord may just be loose in the outlet or the extension cord may be laying, you know, across the room. It doesn't matter. What matters is not the size of the gap, it's the fact of the gap. That's what matters. And some of you came in here today and you're just struggling with guilt and fear and depression and with stress and marriage conflict and you may have ulcers because of a minor gap in your integrity. It doesn't matter the size of the gap. And I tell you, don't waste any time, energy, and resources trying to justify the size of the gap. Whatever the gap is, just take care of it. Apologize for it. Make, ask for forgiveness. Make amends. Make it right. Do whatever you have to do to close the gap. Third thing. 
You simply start doing what Jesus said. Matthew 5, 37, he said, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Satan loves to come in and destroy your integrity. Even, even with just a little gap. Because it breaks the connection. It impedes your fellowship with God. You lose your power. So just do what Jesus tells you to become a person of your word. Get connected with Christ and let your behavior line up with your beliefs. And, and not just your beliefs. More importantly, let your behavior line up with God's beliefs. And when you do, you'll walk closely with God. You'll have a built-in guide that'll tell you what the right thing is to do. You'll have constant peace. And you'll be a person of honor, trust, respect, and influence. Let's pray together. You know, as we pray today, I just want to encourage you to just be, be brutally honest. Just ask God to show you any area of your life where you've got an integrity gap. And the closer you get to God, the more God shines his light on your heart and soul. And, and the more darkness, the more hypocrisy is revealed. But rather than, than sitting here, oh man, I'm just such a big loser. Man, I am just so guilty. I just want you to bring this part of your life into alignment with Christ. You know, God wants to reveal those areas in your life, not so he can punish you. God wants to reveal those areas of your life so he can forgive you and close the gap. And some of you right now, you already know what it is. It, it may be a tiny thing in your life, but it's not the size of the gap, it's the fact of the gap. And today, just, just take that gap to God. God, we thank you that you are faithful and just and you will forgive us of our sins and you will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that's why you're here, because God, God brought you here because he wants to forgive you. He wants to restore that deep connection with you. And so if you're here today and, and, and you've got a gap in your integrity, would you just raise your hand and say, God, here I am, it's me, I've got one. God, I want you to come into my heart and life and forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me, purify me, make me whole. God, help me to connect with you in a powerful way as I ask you to forgive me, to restore me so I can fellowship with you. God, I thank you that you are faithful and that it's the right thing to do and that you promise to do it in each of our lives. We celebrate that today in Jesus' name.